As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Top of Talks, brought to you by the Texas Aggregates and Concrete Association, where Texas turns to build Texas strong. Here on Top of Talks, we'll be sharing information with our members, the media, policymakers, and regulators on everything surrounding the concrete, aggregate, and construction industry in Texas. TACA and its members continue to provide Texas with the essential building and infrastructure materials the state needs to grow and thrive. I'm your host, Coach Rick Colster and a dean of the Taka Emerging Leaders Academy as well. Today, folks, we have a very special show. Uh, it's not one, but three guests, and all have been leaders of Taka. Today, we, we have what we like to call the President's Roundtable. We have on our show the three most recent presidents and CEOs of Taka. I'll start with Dr. Rick Seezy, President and CEO from 2010 to 2018, and now Chief Operating Officer of Charlie's Concrete in Fort Worth, Texas. Then we'll move over to David Perkins, who was president from 2018 to 2020, and now the VP of Governmental Affairs and Communications for Lehigh Hansen. That's nationwide. And the current president and CEO, Josh Lefwich. Gentlemen, I'll let you each introduce yourself quickly, but each brings a wealth of knowledge and experience in the aggregates and concrete industry. Gentlemen, welcome Gentlemen, to Talk Taka Talks. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Rich Saichi. Uh, thanks for inviting me, Coach Rick. Appreciate it, and uh, look forward to the conversation. Good. All right, guys, let's uh, let's jump right in. Josh, why don't you start us off? Let's talk about the basics a little bit. Let's introduce to our audience the, some numbers, some data. How big is the aggregate ready mix and cement business in Texas? You know, um, we're one of the largest states that in the U.S. when it comes to aggregates, concrete, and cement. So um, volume-wise, we do 
uh, more aggregates than Florida and California put together. Um, ready mix wise, we do. Um, we're the leader in the country in ready mix concrete and in cement for sure. We out outpace anyone else in um, the U.S. with um, our volume and the consumption that we have here in Texas. Well, like I say, if you do it in Texas, you do it big, right? That's right. All right. So what are some of the major initiatives that TACA is taking on for the members and the industry this year? You know, I think one of our key um, things we're doing this year, as um, probably everybody's doing from an association level, just to try to keep their members informed. Um, It's been a different year with um, COVID and not having in-person meetings. So just trying to um, keep members engaged, keep the association doing what it's doing um, with our advocacy efforts. Um, you know, we a lot of phone calls, a lot of Zoom calls, those type of things has been our normal way of life this last year. So it's um, probably been a different year than um, normal with our um, being out, getting out to see tours, giving tours to legislators um, that we would normally be doing in an interim and meeting with a lot of stakeholders. Um, a lot of these groups that we try to meet with, they just don't want to meet in person right now. So it's a, uh, um, you got to just get on the computer and um, grind it out here electronically. So it's a, it's a way different um, time for the association. I hope we are um, slowly coming out of that with some of the new announcements from the governor and those type of things. So hopefully we'll be digging out of that and um, moving forward in some type of normalcy. Um, you know, our industry was considered essential from the start of um, that pandemic, and it's been about a year now. So um, we're about the year mark of, you know, everything of Texas shutting down. So, um, you know, I know everybody when they first um, came out, it was, well, can we go here? Can we go to here? Can we go to this town? This town has these restrictions. This county has these restrictions. And it was a, a major, major cluster from um, trying to figure out what we could do and not do. And then the governor came out and said that we are essential. So um, it was game on. And I think everyone in our industry has never really stopped working, maybe delayed here and there, but um, it's been um, everybody's pouring concrete, uh, mining aggregates and delivering cement to places. So. Excellent. Well, like you mentioned, Governor Abbott just lifted the mask mandate. Uh, so what do you see happening? And maybe open it up to all the guys is, what do you see happening? How's that going to start changing things moving forward? Yeah, I'll chime in real quick, uh, just just on that perspective. And, and really something that Josh said kind of triggered something for me. You know, when this thing all came to back about a year ago, there was so much uncertainty and so much concern about what our industry was going to be able to do. Were we even going to be able to get through this? Were we going to be shut down? Were, were our construction projects going to be going to be limited? And I think one of the things that that the organization did really well during this time of uncertainty was to listen to our members and to get information from our members and in, in ensuring that we were at the table with the governor's office and with these other leaders in these cities and these counties and advocating so that we could continue to operate. So I think I think we were very fortunate that we were able to, to make it through and, and actually do fairly well uh, from a volume standpoint, from a, from an operational standpoint. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think, I think really what we're poised for just as this, as this pandemic is starting to diminish and as we're going to be able to have more freedom and businesses are going to be opening back up. Uh, I think we're going to be seeing a different 
type of a marketplace in a lot of ways. I think construction is, is fundamentally changed in a lot of reasons, in, in a lot of ways. I think commercial construction and office and, and hospitality are going to be different. It's going to take some time to work through that. But I see a lot of momentum and a lot of people being ready to get out and spend money and to invest in this economy in Texas. And so I, I see that being a, a real positive and a real opportunity here in the next couple of months. Uh, you saw the announcement maybe today that the president mentioned that there would be enough uh, vaccines available for the entire population by May. So I think we're going to see that accelerate. And, and I think that's going to really gain a lot of momentum for us here in Texas. Rich, what do you, how about from a producer level? How's the, yeah. the mandate lifting change things? Yeah, well, Rich I, is the only one of us who's had a, a, a stable job over the last year. So David and I <laughs> have, we've kind of jumped around. So That's exactly right. Someone with a stable job and steady over the last year, Rich, what do you see? Well, so I, I think David hit a key part, which was the uncertainty. And so when there's uncertainty in a, in a community, when there's uncertainty in a government uh, or any type of those kind of things, people either look to their communities, their churches, their homes, or their businesses for leadership. And I think because our business was essential, with the exception of the city of Austin, we were able to produce uh, concrete aggregates and cement across the state of Texas. And those people, the employees and their families look to our businesses for leadership. They said, how are you going to protect us? How are you going to keep us employed? And I think the, the businesses of our industry responded. And a lot of us had to create things. to had to re- ask other companies, had to say, hey, Josh, what are you doing over there at Taka? What kind of, what's Taka's stance? Hey, David, what are you guys doing? There was no competitive advantage or disadvantage. It's sharing how to keep employees uh, safety and, uh, or safe and healthy. So we relied on each other in a way I think we've never seen before. Then with the governor, Rick, to your question about the governor changing that, I think now it was kind of like, hey, we've been doing this ourselves for the last year anyway. The governor yeah. changing you know, that, his mandate didn't really – I don't see that impacting us much at all because we've been taking care of our employees. We've been operating in, um, in David's company, my company. We operate in multiple jurisdictions, multiple counties that all have different rules, different regulations. We have customers, some customers that say, hey, if you're coming on our job site, we want you to have a mask and we're going to take your temperature. Some don't. And we have to navigate all of that. But I think our industry has done remarkably well at protecting our employees and making sure the businesses continue. And I still go back to David's point about the uncertainty. We still have that uncertainty. We don't know what the, what change could happen next week, even if everybody does get vaccinated by the May. And you know, the next thing you know, you've got a mutant variant of murder hornets, you know, and coronavirus. So we'll deal with that too. But I think we've done remarkably well. And I think at the ground level, people respect that. Communities respect that because we've kept people employed for the last year plus. Um, and that's a big thing. To, that's a big accomplishment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Josh, from the uh, association perspective, how are some things that are going on now? Again, this mask mandate. Um, from an association, how are you supporting your members? What are some of the things that you might do uh, moving forward? Like David said, they're supposed to have enough vaccines for everyone by, what, the end of May is what they're promising right now. So how is that going to change the way that we do things? Uh, we've got meetings coming up. Are we going to do more in-person meetings? We've got some things coming you know, up I hope, night, later in the year. You know, I hope we can get back to um, – in-person meetings and those type of things. It's going to be a, 
um, I, we're going to have to reprogram everybody again to um, get back in that kind of mode. So everybody's gotten very used to the convenience of sitting at their house and not having to, um, you know, get dressed a whole lot and just showing up for a Zoom call or <laughs> a committee meeting or something. So um, it, it is going to take some um, reprogramming, as I'd like to call it, and trying to um, get people back to doing things back in person. You know, one of the things, and I'm sure we've all seen this, is just, um, you know, being not in person, you just lose a lot of engagement that you normally would have. So, um, you know, our committee meetings used to run for two hours, and now we can burn through a meeting in about 40 minutes, you know, just because people are hesitant to talk or multitasking during Zoom calls. So, um, you know, when, like you said, we are planning in-person meetings. We are planning our annual meeting coming up in June. So I'll make a plug for that. So we are planning in-person and we are seeing like the hotels and um, convention halls, those type of things already starting to um, fill up with events. So um, I think people are ready to, to have events. We did do our short course here in College Station. We, it, we had an in-person meeting. So um, we had an in-person virtually. We had virtual speakers, in-person speakers. So it was a very hybrid type situation. But overall, it was um, we had about probably 65 people in person. So um, people were willing to come and be there in person. And if snowpocalypse didn't happen the week before, I'd probably been more people. So Yeah, the snow the apocalypse what is apocalypse snow apocalypse whatever we're calling no apocalypse. It yeah. uh, crazy <clears throat> stuff so you th- as as the hybrid and I, th- I love the idea of the hybrid when you talk about the hybrid meetings that's happening uh but do you think that's affecting and i had a conversation the other day with a friend about the relationship that we make doing business just business in general but this is a highly relational business that we're in how does that yeah. how does they think that and I'll throw this out to the group, is how is this affecting um, building and, and solidifying those in-person, those, you know, face-to-face, in-person relationship, selling, doing business? You know, we do people with, business with people we know, we like, and we trust. So how is that affecting it? And Rich, as a, uh, you're on the front line as a producer, supplier, retail supplier. How about you, from your perspective, how does that affect you and... Um, your supply and demand. It, it, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword for us because um, I'll give you two perspectives. One, um, there's only so much of a relationship you can build through an electronic device. Um, it, it, and, in a, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, in a perceived commodity business, relationships are going to carry the day. So you've got to have those and you cannot do that via an electronic device. So you have to be in person. And we didn't see, uh, my sales guys who are hunters and killers, when you can't go hunt and gather and kill, it drove them crazy. The same thing for people who sell us. Now, the other side of that, which is interesting, is the financial side. Um, every P&L takes a look at your travel and expense. And big companies to small companies, they had almost a zero travel and expense in 2020. And that was budgeted in 2019. So all of a sudden, these companies, their bottom lines actually looked better in 2020 because of that. So now going into 2021, when you're budgeting, what do I budget for travel and expense? I actually may have been profitable because I had no travel and expense. So I think while we all say, yeah, we're going to get back out there, we're going to have sales contacts, we're going to have these relationships. I think Josh was 100% accurate when he says a lot of people are going to choose like, I don't need to have a giant in-person meeting. I can do this remotely. And 
I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And I don't have a prediction on okay. how we are going forward. I just know that there was both benefits and negatives. So, yeah. David, what I, do you see think... from a governmental affairs perspective? And you handle that nationwide. Yeah, I was going to just mention, um, I think it was Josh and maybe you both both used the word hybrid. I think we're going to see a lot more hybridization of meetings and interaction uh, on a professional level at the sales at the sales uh, level, as well as at the at the government affairs level. Uh, from my perspective, I think, and Josh is, is maybe going to share a little more about this, but it, you, the, the key relationships that you develop with members of Congress or members of the state house of representatives or state senators or local, uh, you know, elected officials. The, the vast majority of the value and the equity comes from those in-person interactions. And, and so I think people who have those relationships already with folks who are in office uh, can, can, can rely on that equity that they already have, but going out and establishing new relationships and, and, and building on relationships, I think does have a lot more challenge for it. Uh, I mean, they understand, you know, uh, every, every Congress member of Congress that we've met with and, and, and at the state level as well, understands that this is just the world that we live in but um but but definitely um i think that it it will change how we interact uh, and advocate uh, at a at a a policy level um <clears throat> hopefully we'll be able to be getting in person and i know that that a lot of our national organizations are talking about meetings on the hill in the fall and uh, hopefully that will happen and we're going to keep our fingers crossed but until then the best thing we can do is to continue to interact uh, electronically and, and do the best that we can. Um, I also think that just looking at looking at uh, planning, I think there will be a lot of questions. I know that from my organization and many others, as Rick as Rich said, um, looking at how can you be more efficient with your meetings? Do you have to be in person? Do you have to physically yeah. fly? I mean, there are advantages that have come. I think there are some paradigm shifts that have come in business as a result of this. And, uh, you know, you don't have to get on a plane for three hours uh, in some cases, but in other cases, you still need to be in person. So I see hybrid is really kind of being that key word okay. going forward. That makes sense. Josh, from a member perspective, an association and a member perspective, what are you, um, what are you seeing? And we've got the annual meeting coming up. You just held a short course with had, um, had, had some folks in it. Are we seeing people wanting to get back? You know, I think overall, from what I've seen, especially in our industry, they're willing and able. And the only thing holding them back is either um, corporate policies or um, rules like that, or if they have some type of, um, oh, any health issues or compromised health issues, things like that. But overall, we, we've had little get-togethers here and there over the last year. And everyone is, um, you know, I think overall, our industry is a very – like Rich was saying, um, we like to be in person. We like to see each other. It's a very relationship um, business overall, um, depending on your, if you're a salesperson or just um, doing your job. Like we have to interact with people. So we can't, we can't do our jobs without some interaction with either a customer and a driver, um, a delivery person, um, picking up aggregate, things like that. So it's all in person. I mean, that stuff cannot happen over a Zoom call. So, um, you know, transactional accounting, okay, yeah, that can happen. But um, the real meat and potatoes of our industry cannot happen without people. So we have to be in person. We have to be together. You know, one of the things I think about a lot, too, is just, um, 
you know, I feel sorry for anybody like um, just coming into the industry or new with the company, um, the onboarding, not being able just to be around the office and the mentoring aspects that happen when you come to a new company, the training, um, all those things that are just very hard to do um, without being in person. So I'm, I'm sure it's a, it's been a struggle. I mean, how do you, you know, how do you train ready mix drivers? You got to put a shower curtain up across the truck or whatever to train the ready mix drivers and you, you better always be training um, your, your drivers. So um, it's just a lot of those kind of operational things have been probably really challenged over the last year. And I'd say companies are going to, you know, welcome the, you know, vaccine and mask mandate drop, those type of things. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest changes we'll see is a lot more cars on the road now too. So if anybody has driven around Texas, you can actually get around Austin and get from the talk office downtown now, 15 minutes, which <laughs> Rich and David yeah. never saw. That. So um, Dallas, you can get, you know, from North Dallas to downtown in about 25 minutes. So uh, there Enjoy it while you traffic. can. That's yeah. all I got to say. <laughs> Well, the Texas legislature... And the traffic has already picked up. It's already yeah. picked up, for sure. So Good. Well, you know, the Texas legislature is currently in session here in the state. And I, as I know, we all know, there's some bills that have been presented that will directly affect the industry. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. And Josh, you know, Taka addresses that directly for its members and for the industry, as well as David. That's uh, been your area of specialty with Lehigh Hansen. What are some of the... What's happening? What are some of the bills and... How can they? How are they affecting us um, in whether nationwide and in Texas? You know, David, you can address it from a nationwide perspective, but Josh, you know, Taka handling the state of Texas. How does that affect what's happening in the industry? You know, each. Um, I know Rich saw this when he was there as president, and then David. It's. Um, I, I saw an old slide from one of David's slides, maybe, and I think it's probably just been a slide that's been updated, but. You know, in uh, 2013, we saw maybe five to seven bills. Um, 2015, there was 20 bills. 2017, there was maybe 25, 30 bills. And then 2019 legislative session, we had like 42 bills. So um, it, over the last, whatever, 10, nine years now, there's been a growing um, momentum or wave um, of bills and um, people wanting to regulate our industry and not understanding um, how much regulatory oversight we already do have. And so I think that's been a lot of our efforts over the last year is educating those policymakers and lawmakers on, on our industry and letting them know what we're doing um, with the massive growth in Texas, you know, Texas is growing by a thousand people a day, roughly, um, you know, there's with growth happening, you're going to have um, new producers come in, uh, towns that were in the country or county, you know, they're just expanding out. So that impacts our facilities. All of a sudden there's, um, you know, big, beautiful neighborhoods built around a couple ready mix plants. And everybody's like, oh, we have a ready mix plant or, um, oh, there's a quarry right over here on the other side of my little greenway from my house. I mean, there's a lot of that going on here in Texas. So, um, you know, Texas, there's, Texas is very limited in the aggregate locations and, um, quality of aggregates. So we don't choose these locations. Mother Nature has put these locations here for us. Um, and we're, we're using those natural resources that Texas has provided to build Texas, to put, the, put in the infrastructure we need to make Texas a great state. So, how about from a national yeah, I'll, I'll add a little. 
Uh, yeah, I'll add a little bit on that. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of a, again, to use the term double-edged sword, uh, Texas has been very good at attracting investment, at attracting corporate relocations, at attracting people to come and live here because it's a great state to live in. And as a result of that, this this extreme growth, this this dramatic growth that we've seen and that we expect is going to continue for the next several years is creating a lot of opportunities uh, because it creates more demand for our products, but it also creates challenges because as Josh said, you have these neighborhoods that are now moving farther and farther and farther away from the city centers and the urban areas. Uh, so, so you have this kind of dichotomy of challenge. You know, you've got growth, you've got economic development, you've got investment, but you've also got issues with regard to urban sprawl, to, 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 for lack of a better word. So we have to strike that right balance. But one of the big, the big pieces I think that's important for the legislature to understand, even now with, with even more bills being filed this session than even the last session, and that was, that was, that was incredible for what we were expecting in 2019, is that we cannot hamstring and hinder our ability to provide material in a, in a, in a cost-effective way for the state, because it's not only gonna affect those residents, that are building homes or that are needing these services and these roads, but it's gonna affect our state as well to, to be able to invest in infrastructure. So the, the, the more difficult you make it to get access to those materials, the more you're gonna hurt yourself in terms of the ability to provide material for the highways and the roads and the bridges that the state needs. So that's a real challenge. Uh, at, the, at the national level, I mean, we've obviously seen a major shift. We've got a new president, we've got a democratic administration, We've got a, what we could call a Democratic uh, Congress, even though the Senate is 50-50. And, uh, and obviously, we're going to see a return uh, to a lot of the more aggressive policies uh, from, a, uh, from an environmental perspective. Uh, but what we do, we do see is a, is a good opportunity that I think we could see some windfall from in Texas is infrastructure. In fact, the administration met yesterday uh, with uh, members of the House on what is it gonna look like? What can we do from a national perspective on, an, on a reauthorization of our surface transportation? So I do think that there are some opportunities to get some momentum behind that nationally that ultimately could provide some, some long-term benefit for the state of Texas as well. And so we're certainly gonna to continue to advocate and you know our members in Texas are great to help support that effort as well. Um, and I think there are some, I think there's some, some good opportunities on the horizon there. So what are some of the things that maybe the members can do to help support TACA and themselves with the legislators. It, call their call their legislator. What are some of the things that they can do if they're listening to us right now? Well, I'll, I'll start, and I know that both Rich and Josh have some great thoughts on this as well. But you know, engagement and getting to know your local members and and, and inviting them to your facilities. Those relationships, to the extent that you can. You gotta you gotta foster those because because it, it makes a it makes some impact when 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 we go as 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 representatives of TACA to these members, but it makes even more impact when their local constituent is talking with them and developing a relationship with them. Yeah, really and is. that is I think is is absolutely key. We call it grassroots, whatever you want to grassroots, grass tops, whatever that is. Those local relationships are what what matter. Okay, good. Rich, what about your thoughts as a producer now? I also think there's another aspect to that. And, and while I was in the same seat that, that Josh occupies and David had, it, we used to talk about that member engagement and, and how important that was. And, and I, 
now when I say at the, at the ground level, it's also what I'm going to call member behaviors. Um, you know, we used to sponsor softball teams. We used to do, you know, uh, put something into the Lions Club or something like that. And so we bought a banner. But now it's about our behaviors, how we act as community members, you know, kind of thing. Um, everything from how our, how our trucks look to how our drivers behave um, all matter. Do, everything, does, do they have hard hats, safety vests? Um, what do you do with your water management? Are you a good neighbor? All of those things play out because the first time that a community member sees us, who are they going to call? Well, I'm going to call my city council member. I'm going to call my uh, state legislature. I'm going to call my state senator. I'm going to call my com a county commissioner. And they're going to go, they, they had bad behavior. And I realize we can't do that for everybody, but that to me is also another part of this. And that's a huge part because, and we feature that at TACA, showcasing member companies that do a great job of being uh, good community members and showcasing their good behaviors. And that's so important is that local engagement there. So gents, we're, we're bumping up on our time here. So let's, uh, I'd like to get some final thoughts on your industry, where we're going and um, how members can begin and continue to engage both at the local uh, state and national levels. I'll start with uh, uh, you, David, and then we'll go to Rich and then we'll wrap up with Josh. I'll just say that you get out of it what you put into it. And TACA is a tremendous opportunity to leverage your voice through being involved. Uh, committee engagement, especially right now, government affairs, I think that is a, a great way to amplify and to leverage. And, uh, and, and there's great relationships. Um, and, and I certainly saw it as a member. And then I saw it as a, as a, as a part of the organization. And now I'm seeing it as a member again. But I would say that, that that investment that you get, you get out of it so much more. Excellent. Um, I, I would also say that there has never been a greater time or need to be an engaged member because we have these two things happening simultaneously. We have, as Josh mentioned, one of the largest construction markets in the country with a growth arc that shows no sign of slowing down anytime in the near future. And as Josh mentioned, and so did David, we also have a tremendous amount of what I'm going to just name as opposition against our industry. Those two things at some point cannot coexist. And so there has never been a greater time to be a member, be an engaged member, and recruit somebody to be a member of TACA. Excellent. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Rich. Josh, did you bring us on? You home? know, uh, Rick, in closing this out, I would just say, I, you know, taking the points of David just and Rich is such key. The grassroots efforts key, the having your um, facilities looking good, being good neighbors, all those things play into it. And, you know, most of the TACA members that we do have, they, they really take pride in their facilities. So they want their facilities look good. They um, have a mentality across their companies that they want to be best in the business, those type of things. So I think just you know, making sure that we are um, expressing that and recognizing those companies is going to be key moving forward. Um, it's Texas is still growing like crazy. You hear of all these national um, companies um, coming here from California, New York, wherever to come to Texas because everybody wants to be here. So it's going to play such a key moving forward that um, our industry has, our industry is very out there. So you see, 
our trucks everywhere. You see our people everywhere, all those type of things. So we can't, we can't go hide in an office building or anything like that. We're um, out there and we're a, we're a walking billboard, so to say. So it's, a, it's just so important that we are good members of our communities and um, take care of those people around us. Yeah. And I'll, I'll close it out real quickly saying with Taka being a good neighbor, I mentioned that you mentioned a good neighbor. I think everyone mentioned being a good neighbor is that the star program that was created years ago uh, out of the Emerging Leaders Academy uh, really is a, a shining star for Taka. So if you're a member or you're considering being a member uh, of Taka, this is something that they can help you be a better neighbor with, and you can become a better neighbor in your community. And this is a program that really, really uh, highlights that and spotlights that for us as well as a member. Well, gentlemen, it has been a wonderful show today i appreciate you all coming on real real quickly and spending some time with us and sharing your information it's been a wealth of knowledge for me and i hope for everyone that's listening so if, here's here's something real quick how can people get a hold of uh you at taka josh why don't you tell everybody how to get a hold of you if you want to become a member or you're more interested in getting involved how can they get a hold of you at taka um you can email us we have a website at um, tx-talka.org you can go to our website um, you can email myself at joshl at tx-talka.org also um, our website's probably our best place there's a lot of good information on there um, good one pagers if you um, need to get out communication pieces to people a lot of good info about our industry and what we're doing as an association excellent well gentlemen thank you for being on Taka Talks Building Texas Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Great. Well, be sure to like and subscribe to Taka Talks Podcast on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Folks, I'm Coach Rick, and thanks for listening to Taka Talks, Building Texas. Until next time, stay rock solid and stay strong. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.